has given me here lately, and I want to go a little bit deeper. A lot of people say, well, the Bible doesn't say do it, so why should I do it? It doesn't say specifically, so why should I do it? But I want to share with you three ways the Word of God teaches us tonight. Number one, the Bible gives us specific teachings. Number two, the Word of God gives us examples. And the third thing we want to look at is actions. And I'm using the title tonight, The Need for the church because I believe God wants us to see his word and realize that everything in God's word applies to us in one of these three ways. The church has teachings it is to follow, amen? And the church has examples that they are to follow. And then the church have actions that they are to follow. If you will, stand with me please out of Matthew chapter, out of respect for the word of God and turn with me to Matthew 18. Verses 19 to 20. The word of God says this. Again I say unto you. That if two of you shall agree on earth. As touching anything that they shall ask. It shall be done for them. Of my father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst of them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, we ask you just to add your blessing to the reading of your word. Help us, O oh Lord, to be completely and totally obedient to your spirit. And Father, we give you the praise and glory and honor for it all. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord tonight. Glory to God. There are many people that carry about with them the idea that unless the Bible specifically says do it, then they don't need to do it. Well, if that's the case, what in the world are you doing driving a car? Because a car is not mentioned in the Bible. As a matter of fact, Jesus walked everywhere he went. So except for the time when he rode the donkey going into, into the New Jerusalem, Jesus walked everywhere he went. And we need to understand something, beloved. There are three ways that God communicates his word to us. He communicates his words to us through teachings, through examples, and through actions. And we're going to be held accountable for how we apply all of it to our life. Amen. Look at with, with me again at Matthew 18. We see a specific teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ here. Look at what he says in verse 18 of Matthew chapter um, 18 verses 19 and 20. Let's add verse 18 in there. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That's the teaching. Jesus said truly. That means you can take it to the bank. The church needs to gather together so we can bind the enemy. Amen? It's amazing to me how many people when the devil get on them, they don't come to church. They run to everywhere else. But the more we have the enemy fighting us, the more we need the children of God to gather around us and pray for one another. Notice what he says. He says, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound on in heaven. And whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Look at your neighbor and say, you have the power. 
Do you realize that tonight? You have the power to bind and you have the power to loose. You have the power to build up. You have the power to destroy. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes into you and he abides in you. Now this is Jesus talking, not Pastor Ron. Notice what he says here again. Verse 19, let's go back to that. Again, I say unto you, that if two of you, how many of it, how many people does it take? Two. We got more than two here. We got, we got about 20 something here tonight. We average about 60, about 70 sometimes on Sunday morning. Beloved, we ought to be walking in victory. We ought to be praising the Lord. We ought to be seeing the move of God if Jesus' words are true and they are. That something's going on on us. Either we're not agreeing like we need to. Come on now. Either we're not agreeing like we need to and we're not praying like we need to or God's word's not true. And I know God's word's true. I know I can believe it from Genesis to Revelation. Amen. And so we need to make sure we start touching on people's problems and we start agreeing. Hallelujah. We, I'm so glad to see people coming up whenever folks come up to the altar and starting to pray for one another. We saw it last Wednesday night, Sunday night. We're starting to see it more and more. Ladies, you're starting to move and pray for one another. Glory to God. Men, we need to do the same thing. Hallelujah. We need to pray for one another. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now notice what Jesus said here. Again, I say unto you that if two of you agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. So here's the problem. Sometimes somebody is praying for God to heal them and sometimes somebody else is praying for God to help them to hold on. We need to learn to get together and say, God, heal him in the name of Jesus. God, deliver him in the name of Jesus. What would happen if the church would learn how to pray in one accord? I don't think the devil could stand it. Hallelujah. I think revival would break out. Many times when we come to the altar, each one of us gets into our own thing. Amen. We pray for our own needs and then we go home. There's nothing wrong with asking somebody at the altar, brother, what can I help you pray about? Sister, what can I help you stand in agreement with you for? Now look at verse 20. This is powerful. For where? Everybody say where? Two or three are gathered together in my name. Now there is a teaching from Jesus for why the church needs to gather together. How can you be aware if you're not there? How can you be in agreement if you're not there to touch that need? We need to be where we can get together on this thing. Hallelujah. You see how the devil works? The reason why the devil tries, the devil tries to, to, to throw murmuring and complaining and gossiping and wearing people out and getting people discouraged and, and don't get them where they can't feel God because if he can isolate them, then they can't agree. If they can't agree, then he's got the victory. Amen. Amen. And so we need to learn when anytime the enemy's trying to isolate us, we need to be there to say, you know what? Uh-uh, devil. You're not going to get the victory tonight. You're not going to defeat me tonight. I'm going to pray for my brother. I'm going to pray for my sister. And I'm going to agree for their needs. Now, this is a specific teaching. Jesus says, for where two or three are gathered together, in my name. That's the second crucial thing that we need to realize when it comes to getting our prayers answered. 
If you come in here in the name of Jesus, God's going to be there. Yes. But if you come in the name of Ronald Lee, guess what? God's under no obligation to me. How many times do people go to crusades and people go to big churches and all wanting to see and hear the preacher? We need to go everywhere we go because we're expecting Jesus to be there. Go ahead and give a praise on that. Hallelujah. I don't care what the preacher's name is. I'm not going somewhere just because the preacher's going to be there. If Jesus ain't showing up, I don't want no part of it. If God ain't going to move in the house... And okay, yes, God, I'll go there. Can I tell you, no man can bring God with him. God shows up when God's people have been praying, when God's people have been fasting, when God's people have been seeking. We can get the most anointed evangelist out there in the world to come here to Earl Church of God. But if we don't want God to show up, if we don't gather together in the name of Jesus, we're not going to have a manifestation of God. The only man who could ever work, uh, let me give you an illustration about what I'm talking about right now. The only man that could ever bring God with him was Jesus because Jesus was God. The apostles, they had to pray. They had to seek God. They had to gather together. Jesus sent them out two by twos. And as they walked together, they walked in power. So understand from this teaching tonight that the enemy wants to isolate, the enemy wants to defeat, and the enemy wants to get the victory over you. Look with me at John chapter 4, verse 22 to 24. John chapter 4, verse 22 to 24. I want to show you an example tonight. We see the power of the church coming together because Jesus is there. John chapter 4, verse 22. Hallelujah. I know the devil don't like that, but there ain't nothing he can do about it. Hallelujah. John chapter 4, verse 22 to 24. Look at what the word says. This is Jesus talking to the woman at the well. We know the story well. Ye worship, ye know not what. He told the woman at the well that. He said, you don't know what you worship. You don't know who it is you're serving. And beloved, there's a lot of people that say that they know Jesus. Amen. You ask the average person, they'll tell you, I know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Oh, really? If you know him, are you living for him? Are you doing what he says do? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And they will not follow another one. So beloved, whenever we hear something in our head tell us, you know what, we don't need to need to go to church, we don't need to pray, we don't need to read our Bibles, we don't need to tithe, we don't need to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, we ought to say, wait a minute, that don't sound like Jesus because my Jesus taught the Bible and the Bible tells me I need to be doing those things. Yes, so we need to make sure our relationship is right with God. Notice what he says here, ye worship, ye know not what, we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Hallelujah. You worship in a saving God tonight. Do you realize that? You're worshiping a delivering God tonight. The Bible says all of your needs shall be supplied through faith in Jesus Christ. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Now, look at verse 23. But the hour cometh. Hallelujah. The hour cometh and now is. Everybody say it's here now. And that was before Jesus went to the cross. How much more is it here now after? Yes. Since he rose from the dead. Now look. 
And now is when the true worshipers, everybody say true worshipers. Do you want to be a true worshiper tonight? I want to be true. Hallelujah. I don't want to put on a show for nobody. I don't want to entertain you. I'm not here to make you feel good. I'm here to make you ready for heaven. By being obedient to the Spirit of God and the Word of God and getting you to be a true worshiper. Look. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. Hallelujah. Can somebody just raise your hand and tell God, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. I want to worship you in spirit and in truth. Glory to God. I want to worship you from the inside out. Lord God, I might not always get it right, but I want to be a true worshiper, Lord. Hallelujah. How do we know who the true worshipers are? That's a good question to ask, ain't it? The true worshipers are the one who obey the word of God when it don't feel good. The true worshipers are the one who say yes, Lord, when it costs them something. The true worshipers are the one who live for God when nobody's looking. They're godly examples uh, in the prayer closet. They're godly examples uh, in the family room. Uh, they're godly examples in the business place. Those are the true worshipers. Oh, just give God praise in this house for a few minutes. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's a lot of people that tell you that they're saved. I've, I've got many, many people on my Facebook page and on my Twitter account, and I can go on and on and on, and they'll tell you that, yes, I'm saved. Yes, I love Jesus, but I really wonder sometimes when I see things that are posted and I see places that they go, and I even ask myself many times, I've got to question myself and make sure, you know what? I want to be where Jesus wants me to be. Does Jesus want me to go here? Does Jesus want me to say this? Does Jesus want me to do this? And if Jesus doesn't want me to do it, then I ain't got no business doing it. Why? Because I'm an example. I'm an example to you as the congregation, as the pastor of Earl Church of God. I'm an example to my wife as a godly husband. And I'm an example to my children as a godly father. God's going to hold me accountable by how I act and where I go and what I do and say. Not only is he going to hold me accountable, he's going to hold you accountable too. Hallelujah. And so we need to understand what he is saying here. Look at verse 24 with me. God is looking for those to worship him in spirit and truth. Looking. Look at verse 24. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him. In spirit. Look at your neighbor and ask your neighbor, is your heart in it? Ain't that a good question to ask? That word spirit there means pneuma. It's talking about the breath of God. And notice what it says here. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So here are two ingredients to worship God. You might want to write them down. Number one, you got the meaning. Hallelujah. You might come in here dog tired and that's okay, but if you come in here dog tired and you mean it, God receives it. You might not feel like worshiping God by raising your hand. You might not feel like God shouting. You might not feel like praying. Hallelujah. But if you say, you know what, God, I mean this. Mm, I'm talking to somebody right now. If you mean it from the depths of your heart, God receives it. 
If you mean it from the depths of your heart, God receives your worship. You might say, I mess up so much, but if you mean it and you keep at it, God's going to get it right. He's going to work in your heart. Beloved, don't, oh glory to God. You're not worshiping just because you sing on key all the time. You're not worshiping just because you play all the time on key. You're not worshiping because you get all the words right. You're worshiping because you mean it and you are honest about it. And you want to bless the Lord. Remember the story of the little widow woman who gave a mite, which is a half a penny. A little widow woman went in amongst uh, all the rich folks. And all the rich people were given abundantly. I can imagine maybe some of them were given $200. Maybe some of them were given $400. And you'd go on and on around. Then this little widow woman with an amount of a half a penny came in and put it in the offering. And do you know something powerful about that? Jesus said to his disciples, that widow woman gave more than all those other ones because she gave from her heart. She gave uh, out of her necessity. She might have needed that thing, but she wanted to honor God and she wanted to bless the Lord. So what I'm preaching to you tonight, beloved, is don't wait till you get it perfect. If you wait till you get it perfect, you're never going to serve the Lord. Mean what you do for God. Mean your Bible study. Hallelujah. Oh, mean, hallelujah, your prayer time. Mean it. Glory to God. And be honest with God. Sometimes, be honest. You might sit there and say, you know what? I'll be honest with God. Sometimes I don't feel like going to church. Sometimes I don't feel like giving. I don't feel like praying. But you know what? You be honest with God about that. And you tell the Lord. And guess what? God will give you the energy. God will give you the strength. And God will motivate you to get up and go. And God will motivate you to do. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yes, God. I'll go there. Is that okay if I just obey the Lord tonight? I see Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. And he's praying. And the Bible says that he's wrestling to the point where his flesh becomes as drops of blood. And he's saying, not my will, but thine be done. Not my will, but thine be done. Beloved, can I tell you what? Sometimes we don't feel like it, but we need to do it anyway because it's God's will. We need to make up our mind. That's whenever we really worship in God. When we say, Lord, I don't feel it, but I'm going to do it because you say do it. Hallelujah. I might not gain anything from it, but God, I'm going to do it because you say do it. Now, notice what it says here. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God is looking for godly examples. Examples of worship and examples of prayer and examples of knowledge. Now, let's look at lastly at godly actions. Look with me at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, glory to God. Is this all right tonight? Acts chapter 2, verses 41 and 42. I love this. You know this is after the day of Pentecost and Peter preached a sermon to them. Put them under conviction. They said, men and brethren, what must we do to be saved? Peter preached to them and said, repent of your sins and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and unto all those as many as call upon the name of the Lord. 
Amen. Have you called on the name of the Lord tonight? Guess what? The Holy Ghost is for you. If you call on the name of the Lord, he ain't just for Pentecostal folks. He's for whoever called on the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. He ain't in denomination. He's for whoever calls on the name of the Lord. Now notice what it says here. Then they that gladly received his word. So remember we're talking about actions. In order for you to be blessed in order for you to do what godly examples do in order for you to be the church uh, the need for the church here understand here you got to receive the word has somebody ever preached something to you and you said no I don't receive that I'm sure nobody has out loud but maybe in your heart you closed up your heart and you said I'm not going to give this up I'm going to keep doing it I'm not going to go down to the altar today. I'm not going to pray today. The first thing you've got to do in order to get your breakthrough is receive what's being preached. Notice what it says here. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. Now, here's how you know you're receiving it. You act on it. Hallelujah. You know how I know if somebody's received the word about tithing? They tithe. You know how I know if somebody's received the word about coming to church and being part of the church, they hear. Glory to God. You think you ought to say praise the Lord for that because of the simple fact. Hallelujah. You hear. The, the devil probably tried everything he could to keep you home, but you heard the word of God that says, well, I need to be in the house of the Lord, and you're here. You've received the word, and you act upon the word. Hallelujah. Now notice. And the same day, there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Hallelujah. When you get glad about receiving the word of the Lord, the church is going to grow. Now look at verse 42. And they continued steadfastly. Everybody said steadfastly. That means that there were some times that tried the church. They didn't just do this thing every once in a while. But notice what it says. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. You know, ain't that interesting? They continued in what the apostles were telling them. That means they continued in Bible study. They continued in fellowship. Look what happened here. They continued in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. You know, one of the reasons why I love Earl Church of God is because we got all those things right here. Right here at this little community church, hallelujah, that a lot of people don't know about. But we have what they had in the New Testament. We got the Apostles' Doctrine. We got the Bible. We study and preach from the Bible. We've got fellowship. We fellowship with one another. We got men's and ladies' fellowship coming up here at the end of the month. Hallelujah. We've got that going on here. We've got breaking of bread. We observe communion. We observe foot washing. And we bless one another. And we pray. And that also includes worship in it. Now what it revolved, uh, what they would do is they would go down to the creek, if I can put it in southern terms. Uh, and they would, they would find a place by the creek where they would wash their hands and then they would spend time praying. And talking to God. It was a journey to them. You know we got Monday night prayer time here at the church. It's a journey. When we get up out of our, our home. And we come down to this church. And we spend time praying for the needs of the people. And I can take you through my prayer list. I can guarantee your name's on it. 
I'm praying for you. I'm believing God. These people, we call your name out in prayer. We call your family out in prayer. We believe in God to touch you. Why? Because that's what they did in the early church. Our actions are following up what we say we believe. Hallelujah. I just think you ought to give God praise for that. I hear people say, well, I'm a Christian and I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Oh, really? Show me a Christian in the Bible who stayed home. I'm a Christian and I don't need I don't need to give. Really? Show me a Christian in the Bible who wasn't given. I don't need to praise and worship the Lord. Show me a Christian in the Bible who didn't praise and worship the Lord. You can't do it. And so we're following the Word of God. Here's the thing that I love about this tonight, though. As we get ready to go to the Lord in prayer, I'm going to ask the praise team to come back up. What do you do when you've been beat up? When you've been beat down? When you've been discouraged? You go back to where it started. You go back to the book. You get doing it. You keep doing it. Glory to God. We got some young men in the church that are playing football. And if I can use them for an illustration, I'm sure as they're learning football and the techniques, they're not always going to get it right. But you know what? The coach is going to tell them, if he's a good coach, this is what he's going to do. He's going to show them the principle behind what they're doing. He's going to show them the technique to what they do. He's going to dust them off and he's going to send them back into the game. And can I tell you, as your pastor, you ain't ever going to hear me throw anybody out of this church unless there's some egregious thing that they do. But what I'm going to do, hallelujah, is I'm going to sit down with them if they want me to. I'm going to explain to them what the technique is, what God wants us to do. And I'm going to dust them off. And I'm going to help them. And I'm going to encourage them to get back into life. Get back into fellowship. Why? Because we've got godly examples to follow. We've got godly, hallelujah, teachings to follow. And we've got godly actions to follow. Why? That's the need of the church. Maybe you know somebody tonight. I heard somebody.